0: Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. We're no longer operating in the dark. Crowdsourced data has been used for a number of years now to support decisions around infrastructure in cities. Without having to set up equipment or collect measurement data, we can now ask questions of our cities using a raft of data sources, which allows us to play with ideas and thrash out scenarios before needing to commit to a direction. It also allows players into the market who traditionally didn't have a starting point to be competitive. So what's next, and how is data being made easier to use? Welcome to Location Matters, episode 19. I'm Adam Mullett, and today I'm joined by NGIS transport lead Jeetan Chahan and Google Smart Cities lead in APAC, Ian McPherson. So I'm going to start with you, Ian. Data monetization, you know, it's a collection, it's a processing and packaging of data that's going to be used by third parties, generally not for the reasons that, you know, you originally collected it. How is this enabling a new way of doing business?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question, Adam. Um, you know, data today uh, and data collection is is pretty much ubiquitous and it's coming from a, a bunch of different sources, And I, you know, I think we're only just sort of scratching the surface of the ways that it can be used. Uh, I was just having a conversation earlier today with somebody uh, about um, Internet of Things and what it means. Um, I think there's a lot of focus at the moment on the endpoint. Like people are very interested in the the device and the endpoint and the way of collecting the data. But I actually think the the real uh, story and the thing that we haven't really unlocked is um, what do we do with that data when we collect it? Why does it matter? Um, so, if you think about an internet enabled fridge you know it 's really cool. You can order your know, shopping online from, from directly from the fridge, but think about the data that you can collect and people 's usage patterns i don 't think we 've really unlocked the power of that data yet, so I think it 's going to be um, a really powerful enabler for lots of different industries um, you know if you think about the the data you can collect from a car as a as a data collection device you know Tire manufacturers, car manufacturers, fuel you know, um, companies—they all have a vested interest in the data that, you know, and the secrets that data can unlock. And it's not necessarily the, the, the raw data you get from the car itself; it's the collection of data and the aggregation of data, the combination of data sets that uh, you know can sometimes unlock completely different insights that you weren't expecting. So, I think you know, in the years to come, um, the combination of you know location-specific data. Uh, with the the processing capability that we now have um, on things like GCP um, are going to unlock insights for companies that they have never really dreamed of of having before. Jeetan?
2: I think it's a really exciting time that um, we're all living in and in in relation to businesses as well. So for most organisations that service community or people, just imagine... Understanding where people are going, how they're spending their money, how they're getting there, how long it takes to get there—all um, that information is so rich, and it'll help these organisations better optimise their their services um, and provide ultimately better customer experiences. So, yeah, I agree, Ian. It's 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 a really exciting time, and
0: uh, more data the better. How is uh, Jaden? How is this new trend of data monetization actually opening up new industries? In terms of all the typical players like your
2: social media um, outlets, I think they, there's been a lot of noise and, and coverage on that. But the more interesting ones are the, the MasterCard and the telcos and the technology providers also, providing this information, and, and when you kind of merge them all together, you get a real complete story of how people behave and why they behave. Uh, and I, I think that that's going to really enable a lot more services and, and more startups and more activity. Uh,
1: yeah, I think um, I think there's going to be a lot of happy accidents. I think uh, there'll be companies that don't really appreciate or understand the value or the power of the data that they have currently like and it may be companies that have a completely different business model but the data they collect is suddenly very valuable to other companies so um i remember an example where you know we did some work with a, a small logistics company in in the u.s um, a couple of years ago where um you know they were just a small freight company but uh by using you know, maps and, and starting to collect data on you know, the, the deliveries and where the deliveries are going, they were able to actually create a very powerful data set which was valuable to other mm. people. So rather than being just a logistics company, they actually became a data insight company. Uh, and I think we're going to see that a lot, you know, where people suddenly realize that they'll have a light bulb moment that, hey, the, the customer data we've got here is a really valuable data set that other people might be interested in.
0: But yeah, I mean, we had a light bulb moment yesterday. We we're talking to a startup at the Google Cloud Summit here in um, in Sydney, and he was talking about payment gateways and, and ways that he wants to enable people to pay. And I said, yeah. "Have you thought about you know how you could sell the data after that?" And mm-hmm. that was a real light bulb moment for him because he was so focused on the problem at hand. But hadn't thought actually what he's trying to do or what he could be doing is generating a huge data set around payments in in Australia mm-hmm. that can then be on sold. Yeah, so. Ian, you 've got a lot of experience around you know cities and planning and infrastructure and transport. Um, what are some of the challenges um, that that you're working with at the moment
1: mm. I think um, yeah, a lot of the cities that i'm i'm working th- with through through Asia have come to the realization that they can 't really build themselves out of the the congestion problems of the future. Um, you know many cities and, and, and Sydney's a classic example uh, where yeah, you know, the city has kind of grown up in a kind of an unplanned way. Um, you know, the last several years, we've we've seen unprecedented population go, growth uh, in the Sydney area. Um, you know, it's now, I think, approaching 4 million people. They're saying that by 2020, it will be 6 million people. Um, and, and the city infrastructure just can't cope with that kind of, you know, rapid population growth. So cities have to come up with more innovative ways to do better things with the infrastructure we've got because you know, like I said, you can't build yourself out of the problems. So, it's where the data starts to come into play. Um, having a, you know, you can't fix a problem if you don't understand the problem. Um, and a lot of the data that, you know, cities are now looking to acquire or collect is is specifically purposed on understanding the the problem uh, and using that data to plan, uh, you know, for the future. So, um, yeah, you know, things like congestion, I think, are going to be huge problems. Um, paving the way for autonomous vehicles is going to be a huge you know, issue for cities over the next ten to fifteen years because, like it or not, that's going to be upon us and it's going to happen. Um, so, you know, how we get to that point where um, the city uh, you know, becomes connected enough for um, you know, intelligent vehicles to start, you know, operating in a potentially mixed environment is going to be very challenging. So, you know, there's talk of the next big, um, you know, battleground being curb space, you know, but mm. for when, you know, the, the day of autonomous vehicles come, like battling, you know, where do people park? Um, and, and how do we how do we get those autonomous vehicles in and out of the city? Where do they go when they're not being used? Mm. I mean, these are all challenges that cities are grappling with right now because they have to plan for the next 15, 20, 30 years. So Google's obviously made a few acquisitions in this space. Um,
0: tell us a little bit about what you're up to, and 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 um, these companies that you have acquired, and what you plan to do with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've we've sort of made some um, some early uh, ventures into that space of of urban mobility and and planning. Um, it's it's all very experimental at this stage, um, but you know the solutions that we're investigating definitely are aimed at solving that some of those city congestion problems and providing cities with data sets that previously you know they either had to spend a lot of money to collect or uh, were only able to collect very small sample sizes so think about you know origin destination data where people start and finish journeys every day Um, you know cities have been collecting that sort of data using you know transit surveys for the past 15 or 20 years uh, and most of those surveys are you know people with clipboards you know standing at railway stations and asking people how they you know got to and from work that day that's how they collect the data and you know that often costs many millions of dollars uh, and, and and only collects a, a very modest sample size so it's not really statistically that usable um, but you know, think of a world now where we're able to provide crowdsourced data uh, for literally millions of of you know, journeys every day, and then you start to get a, a much richer data set, which enables you know decision making at a, at a, you know, at scale. So they're the bets that we're starting to make. Um, like I say, we're a long way from having anything resembling you know, a usable product, if you like, and it's all very experimental. We we are con- you know, having conversations with a lot of cities about. Um, what their requirements are, you know, the data sets they're missing, what they could potentially do with the, the, the data sets that they have mm. already. Uh, and a lot of cities, you know, like Melbourne and, and Victoria being one of them, they have a very open data policy. So any data sets that the Victorian government own, um, they generally allow people to access and use, uh, which which is pretty exciting too. So, you know, um, it's definitely the, the, the age of... of Data, you know, and, and data-driven decision-making. So we've all got phones in our pockets and one of the tools
0: that Google has available to it um, is the smartphone, you know, in, as a way to collect data. Um, so tell us, Jason, with the smartphone, what's the most uh, interesting type of data that you can collect from this type of probe and, and what can you do with it? I read recently
2: where... There's organisations now using the, the phone uh, sensors to detect any accidents or sudden jolts, and then that triggers emergency response units, um, alerts transport operators, uh, and even could even alert um, family members or nearby cars. So just imagine that world where if you are in an accident, automatically your emergency response unit is on the way. Um, they're talking to the hospitals and they're enabling beds and surgeons to get ready. Like, it's just a whole flow-through process. It's all coming from the phone. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, it's quite interesting and kind of out there in terms of using a smartphone to really
1: help change our lives. Uh, yeah, one of the big transport agencies that I work with uh, has taken a really innovative approach to using travel time data. Um, so they, uh, they leverage our uh, directions API, which is part of the Maps API, API suite, uh, to calculate travel time across the entire metropolitan, in fact, the the, the road network across the entire state, um, which enables them to provide, you know, very accurate estimates as to uh, what a normal travel time looks like, um, which is pretty um, important in terms of managing, you know, congestion and, and traffic flow. They also use that data to, to plan for, um, you know, roadworks and road closures and things like that so that they can you know plan those events for the the times that are going to have the least impact on on congestion um, so yeah it's a very innovative use of of i guess crowdsourced data because that travel time data all comes from you know the google traffic layer which in turn comes from you know um, crowdsourced you know travel times from from mobile phone sensors essentially so uh you know that's that's a a good example i think of of how people are using that sort of data
0: Jaden, can you maybe explain some of the practical use cases or maybe even examples that have come out of this i mean you see a truck hit the sydney harbour bridge you know you could have a um a traffic jam that goes for six seven kilometers you know so what are some of the things that they can actually use this data for practically so
2: just leading off from what Ian was mentioning earlier, um, we all work, we worked with Transport for New South Wales to to really help them manage congestion and and plan for the future in terms of infrastructure investments. So typically what transport, well, a lot of transport agencies have are a lot of sensors on the road, but those sensors are in limited locations. What Google provides is complete coverage or and Complements the sensors where there aren't where there isn't coverage, so using this information we, we mapped out the whole transport network um, and provided travel time information to, uh, across every intersection that now has enabled transport for New South Wales to provide better customer experience so this information is used on the variable message signs to provide motorists the estimated time of arrival to the next exit, Um, just improving and a better understanding of of their journeys. It helps with infrastructure investment decisions as well. So coupled with this travel time, you put in also volume information um, and demographic data to, to better understand where do where does the government need to invest in a, widening a, a motorway, or putting an, a new road, um, or providing better transportation links? And lastly, in, in relation to your Harbour uh, Harbour Bridge example, the crowdsourced data helps the government understand any unplanned congestion. Where there is no coverage of sensors or CCT cameras, you can compare the real-time travel time information to the historical average, and when a scenario occurs where the delta between the real-time and historical data is large, then that alerts and gives good evidence to support an unplanned accident or incident. Once they deep dive, they can then use people on the ground to triage
0: and enable Traffic flow. We've been talking to a number of people around this data monetization, and we have a, a number of different data sources that we have um, available to us. And you know, a good example is the um, telco data: origin and destination. You know, where did people come from? Where did they go to? Time of day, demographics, and so on. And invariably, we have this moment during the sales process where they realize that it's not actually magical, that there is sort of a limitation to this, that it's simply, you know, it's a great data set to have. I mean, what are some of the limitations that we have to be aware of
1: when we are talking about these sorts of data sets? Some of the limitations, I guess, are that, you know, um, we're very, at Google anyway, we're very conscious of people's privacy. So... You know, the data that we use is always aggregated, anonymised, um, you know, so that we, at no point in time could anybody ever identify an individual. Um, so you have to be cognizant of the fact that, that the limitations that that imposes in terms of, you know, you know, it's we're always going to deal in large numbers and large data sets. But, you know, for the purposes of planning and at city levels, that's perfectly okay like they they don't need to know where you know um jeet and shahorn goes you know every day they just need to know roughly how many people are using public transport how many people are driving if we you know change the operating hours of this particular service what would that do how many people would it impact so you know I, i think it's it's more the the limitations that we impose ourselves on how we collect and utilize that data that's that you need to be aware of yeah I agree it's um, it's an industry-wide
2: I guess challenge for data monetization is privacy mm. um, and in relation to transport it's more related to volume how many people are going down this road so I guess one way to mitigate that is combining different data sets with your own corporate data together uh, and Getting just more intelligence and, and more understanding um, with crowdsource versus your own data, I think yeah. it, it, it goes a long way than what they've currently got.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, uh, what I've learned in working across a lot of transport agencies and a lot of customers, for that matter, is that there's no silver bullet when it comes to data, and um, there's no one single data source that's going to give you all the answers, and it's always going to be a combination of a multitude of different data sources Probably from a multitude of different um, providers that are going to provide you the, the most, you know, um, tangible results. Um, and I think most customers realise that too. They, they they know that you know the limitations of each data set. Um, they know that telco data, um, while you know it can give you things like demographics and 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 whatever, um, the limitations in terms of the accuracy of the how the data is collected uh i think uh, is well known um so you know every every data set that you look at's got um, pluses and minuses and it's always going to be a combination of different data sets that gives you the best results
0: all right well let's end the podcast perhaps with some uh places where people can go look for more information do you guys have any uh examples of things that people could go look up if they want to learn more about about these sorts of data sets hmm.
1: Uh, well, like I mentioned earlier, I think uh, the Victorian government's got a very good open data policy. Um, there's lots of interesting data sets that they publish there that uh, and they really encourage, um, you know, tech entrepreneurs and companies to, to solutioneer, um, you know, interesting and innovative solutions, utilising those data sets that can provide better services to the public. So I think, you yeah, that's a pretty good place to start. Um shameless plug to NGIS's
2: website. Uh, We've got a lot of great case studies on where we've used uh, crowdsourced data um, or open data sources to really solve uh, business challenges for different types of organizations. So yeah, I
0: think. You're trying to get on my good side, Gene. (laughs) I try my best. Well, I've got one as well talking about crowdsourced data. I've found uh, something this week called Remapcha. So you've probably heard of recapture, which is the thing that you see at an end of the form where you have to type in the, the letters uh, to, in order to allow mm-hmm. you to submit the form. This shows you a map and then asks you a question about the map. Like, for example, using the road, can the car reach the destination on there? You know. So, And what it allows you to do is actually uh, crowdsource the data so we can then improve maps generally in mm-hmm. areas where they're not that great. All right. Well, thank you very much both for joining us on the podcast today. If you are interested in uh, hearing more, you can subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.